Welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast, where we discuss caregiving topics to build knowledge and experience to be more confident and more effective care partners and caregivers. I am your host, Dr. Kevin Kloss. I am a movement disorder and Parkinson's disease specialist in private practice. I'm also a care partner for my mom battling Parkinson's disease. Welcome to season two. Thank you for your support of this podcast. Welcome back to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Kloss. This month, we are going to focus on cognition in patients with Parkinson's disease. We're going to focus on a term called mild cognitive impairment. We're also going to talk about the dementia in Parkinson's disease. We're going to have uh, shows this whole month dedicated to this topic. Today I'm going to introduce the topic and discuss the general framework of what we see with cognition in people living with Parkinson's disease. We're going to have an interview this month with a Mayo Clinic neurobehavioral neurologist, one who specializes in the neuropathology of conditions like Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, and others. And we're going to find out more about the biology and the underpinnings of what happens in the brain to people who are dealing with cognitive changes related to Parkinson's disease. We are also going to talk to caregivers that are very experienced in managing the cognitive impairment and dementia problems that come from a loved one dealing with these particular problems. And we're going to focus on treatments, some that are new, some treatments that are not pharmacologically based, but treatments that might be able to help cognitive problems and hopefully slow the progression of these cognitive impairments. So I'm hopeful that this month we will have lots of shows that are very helpful to you as a care partner or caregiver and provide you with lots of practical information that you can take back and implement at home as you see fit. So we're going to talk about cognition, which is really a clinical term that we use for thinking, judgment, and memory. So if thinking or memory changes develop in an individual patient, but that individual is still able to remain independent in their activities of daily living so they can manage their medications, they can uh, make meals and take care of themselves completely without help. This falls into a diagnostic category that we call mild cognitive impairment or MCI. This particular term has been used also in the field of Alzheimer's disease. So if a patient is developing mild cognitive changes and then later progresses to a dementia, they might be experiencing Alzheimer's disease. But similarly, in Parkinson's disease, 
some patients will develop mild cognitive changes that are actually due to Parkinson's disease, not Alzheimer's disease. Those individuals then may progress over time and develop a dementia, while others actually do not progress and remain the same. And we're going to talk more about uh, those particular groups of patients and the chances of progressing. So by dementia, what we mean here is that an individual has significant cognitive impairment that is now impairing their ability to care for themselves and manage their own activities of daily living. That individual now needs help from a loved one or from a care center. The longer someone has Parkinson's disease, the better chance they have of developing some form of cognitive impairment, but not necessarily developing a dementia. So this is very important to keep in mind that some patients will experience some cognitive impairment but not continue to progress on to a full dementia, while others will. And so we are very interested in figuring out ways to predict which patients will move from this mild cognitive impairment category to possibly developing a dementia. And for those individuals, we certainly want to figure out therapeutics or other treatments that might help delay this process or even stop the process of further cognitive decline. It's completely normal as we age to forget names and to have difficulty remembering phone numbers, especially these days with cell phones. It's, It's very common that we might not have any phone numbers in our memory banks anymore. But when we reach the age of 70 and beyond, this becomes uh, a more typical problem of remembering names and words, but this does not necessarily reflect an abnormal process. If we are sleep-deprived or under a lot of stress, we might have a hard time paying attention to details. We might become more forgetful. We might forget where we parked the car. We might even forget appointments that we have scheduled. These are all normal uh, problems that can develop just from day-to-day life and does not necessarily mean that we have an ongoing cognitive impairment. For example, years ago, uh, a colleague of mine told me a story that uh, he was scheduled to provide um, the guest uh, lecture for a support group meeting. Uh, Interestingly, the support group meeting was for Alzheimer's disease patients, and his schedule was so demanding and he had such sleep deprivation from his call schedule that he actually forgot about the meeting to show up to be the guest lecturer for the Alzheimer's support group meeting and felt terrible about this. But these kind of mistakes and these kind of memory lapses certainly can happen to all of us as just a normal process of life. And in Parkinson's disease, some of our patients will come in and the family member 
will mention that I think there may be a cognitive problem developing. My loved one is taking a long time to respond to my questions. For instance, my loved one uh, may sit there and, and seem to be struggling to think of a response. It may take an excessive amount of time to finally deliver the answer to the question. But the key factor here is whether the answer is appropriate and correct. Because Parkinson's patients may experience a problem called bradyphrenia, which is very similar to bradykinesia that we see in the body. So just like the body can move slowly, the thought process can also move slowly, and we call this bradyphrenia. But with bradyphrenia, the problem is just in the speed of thinking and responding, but the accuracy is still there. So that individual is not cognitively impaired and certainly not demented. And this particular problem is not an early sign of dementia. So we like to reassure our families that just because they see slow thinking and slow response times, this does not mean that early dementia is soon to follow. And importantly, the Parkinson's disease treatments, such as the dopamine-based treatments, can certainly improve this bradyphrenia problem and improve the reaction time and speed of thought. We also have to be aware that individuals may have other problems co-occurring with the Parkinson's disease that can make it look like there is a cognitive illness. For example, if a patient develops moderate to severe depression, this can masquerade as a cognitive problem when in reality it's a treatable problem and it's just the depression itself. Depression can be very difficult in many cases to diagnose in Parkinson's disease. A reason for that is we may see the, the masked face of a patient. We may see uh, the particular um, motor problems are now making it difficult for that individual to participate in the usual activities that they enjoy. They might give up some hobbies that they typically would have enjoyed as well. And this can make it seem as if the patient is depressed when in reality they're just having more difficulty because of the motor problems. Parkinson's disease can also cause apathy. We can see insomnia and we can see changes in appetite. And all of these issues that are coming from the Parkinson's disease itself may on the surface look like someone is depressed when they may not be. So to find out if someone is truly depressed in Parkinson's disease, we often need either a psychiatric evaluation or neuropsychometric cognitive testing. This type of testing can help differentiate whether there's truly a cognitive disorder or if that individual is depressed. Now, sleep problems can certainly impair cognition and 
needs to be evaluated before resting on a diagnosis of cognitive impairment. The practitioners need to look at the medication list. There are many groups of medications that can impair cognition in individuals with Parkinson's disease. We look at particular groups of medications like the anticholinergic medications, drugs like Benadryl, the antihistamine medications. So these are medications often over-the-counter available to individuals that may now affect their cognitive performance, but also prescription medications like medications for anxiety, depression, muscle relaxants. Some of the bladder medications may impair the neurotransmitters or neurochemicals in the brain that help us with our cognitive performance. Pain medications, anti-seizure medications, and even some heart rhythm medications such as amiodarone may also affect cognitive abilities. Furthermore, we also need to think about medical illnesses such as thyroid disease, kidney or liver disease, a chronic infection, severe anemia, and others may also have some effect on cognitive performance. So these are issues that um, we need to be aware of for our loved one and need to be talking to the healthcare provider to make sure that these other causes of cognitive impairment are evaluated properly and ruled out before we rest on a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease or Parkinson's disease dementia. So when we look at the numbers according to the available studies in the medical literature, the prevalence rate in the Parkinson's disease population varies anywhere from about 11% to 30 to 40% of patients, but the risk goes up as the individual ages. So people over the age of 85 have a much higher prevalence of cognitive impairment and dementia in Parkinson's disease. A recent meta-analysis looked at over 7,000 Parkinson's patients. They looked at these individuals across 41 different peer-reviewed studies and they looked at the prevalence rates of the mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease and found that prevalence rate to be about 40%. So even in the early stages of Parkinson's disease, we can see up to 40% of individuals already experiencing mild cognitive impairment. They're completely independent in their activities of daily living and can function just normally but there's clearly a deficit in one of the cognitive domains. Now, if we look at this mild cognitive impairment group, the studies tell us that about 20% of these individuals will stay the same cognitively throughout the rest of the course of their Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, about 80% will continue to decline at variable rates and at variable severities and may ultimately develop 
what we would term dementia. A Movement Disorder Society Task Force published in the Journal of Movement Disorders by Dr. Litvin and colleagues published a mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease criteria that we now use when we are looking at this particular diagnosis. So the criteria first states that obviously the individual needs to have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. There needs to be a gradual decline of cognitive ability reported either by the informant, the family member in particular, or observed by the clinician. Number three, there needs to be evidence of a cognitive deficit on formal testing. This can be testing that's done in the clinic, at the movement disorder or neurology office, or sometimes in the primary care office, or on more formal cognitive testing performed by neuropsychologists. Number four, the cognitive deficit should not interfere with functional abilities of that individual. So in other words, they can manage their own medications. They can handle their finances and balance the checkbook. They can take care of themselves. They don't need help from a loved one at that point. And number five, other causes of cognitive impairment, as I mentioned before, medications, medical illnesses, sleep deprivation, depression, have been adequately ruled out as a cause of the cognitive symptoms. This mild cognitive impairment, once it's diagnosed, we try to determine which domain of the brain the impairment is taking place, or perhaps it's occurring in multiple domains. So as far as domains, we look at memory, we look at attention, we look at executive function, we look at language abilities, and finally we look at the visual-spatial system of the brain. Mild cognitive impairment is relatively common and is a marker that we need to have close follow-up of that individual together with the family, the loved one, monitoring for progression, along with the healthcare providers monitoring, and ideally using some type of formal cognitive assessment battery to understand the pace of which this cognitive impairment is changing, or hopefully staying the same. So, at our next episode, we are going to have a nice interview with Dr. Keith Josephs from the Mayo Clinic, We will be discussing more about the biology and understanding what is actually happening in the brain with mild cognitive impairment and dementia of Parkinson's disease, getting his insights into the understanding of this process. He's going to talk a little bit about treatments as well. And then later this month, We will be back to focus on the treatments available for mild cognitive impairment as well as for dementia, Parkinson's disease, 
and we will get some firsthand wisdom from care partners and caregivers who have been working with a loved one with this type of cognitive impairment. Thank you for joining the show today, and we look forward to seeing you back on our future episodes talking about cognition in Parkinson's disease. Thank you for joining the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. And remember, you are a better Parkinson's disease caregiver than you think. Mm